Welcome to our podcast here at Hope United Church. To access the live stream of our services, along with other resources and information, please visit www.hopeunited.org.uk. this morning about the power of the word and the effectiveness of God's word in our life. It's the same subheading, battling false teachers uh, and being sharpened by faithful men. I don't know about you, but really, I, I know I'm doing the preaching, but sometimes I preach and I, I really enjoy it. I can, I, sometimes it's, a, it's like none of my business, but sometimes you're just, you have the moments and you're just like, but it's, it's not about me, but you just think, oh, I could, I could just listen to that again myself. You know, and I found it to be really effective this morning, powerful. I think it is every week. I mean, I really have a bad week. No, but uh, I've had the odd howler, but see when you're preaching God's word, you really don't have a bad week, you know. Whereas see when you're preaching pragmatic stuff, it's a hit and a miss. You could be good one week, the next week you could have a howler. See when you're preaching God's word, it's predominantly, you know, you listen to John McCarthy, you're like, you're good every week. <laughs> and you're like, no, no, it's a word that's good every week, you know. When it's guys, oh, so... <laughs> When it's guys, see, that's the word that's so embedded in me there. <laughs> it's so embedded. Do you know, I ripped, it, I ripped it a couple of weeks ago and I just thought, oh, just, just leave it there. That's how, that's how well used my Bible is. It's fallen to bits. I'm going to send that back to John MacArthur, cheapskate. These things are fallen to bits, you know what I mean? Get yourself, get yourself some of his undervan or something like that. Uh, I'll be sending that back to him. Anyway, uh, battling false teachers being sharpened by faithful men, or you could say being truly sharpened by Paul, and I think this is the just truly wonderful about God's word, that you've got these men who documented this, and yeah, of course it's God breathing, we'll get into this next week where we talk about, but when you think about it, it's, it's not just a letter, but to Paul it was just a letter uh, that he's wrote to Timothy, and it's just every single line is just astounding. Uh, and his love for Timothy, his encouragement. And I think as you read this as well, I was thinking about this, is that the depth that Paul also knows Timothy. Not just the depth that Paul knows the Lord, the depth that Paul knows Christ, but the depth that Paul knows Timothy, I think is astounding. And for me, I have to say this, as we grow and mature as a church, and, you know, it's, 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 it's exciting. You know, I came into church yesterday and I seen a couple of the... the, the that my sisters in Christ, if we call them, just sitting having lunch. And do you know what? There's a few things warm my heart more. Uh, sometimes I came in on a Friday and Grace and Fiona sit and Fiona's usually leaving me her word as they meet and share the word together. And I just, honestly, I have to say this, see for a pastor, there's nothing can warm your heart more than that, than just seeing family and brothers and sisters in Christ united and coming together and sharing the word. And I'm, oh, I'm so excited now. A lot of people, I've heard a lot of pastors talking about as we come into Christmas and it's, it's obviously going to be very different this year. But, but we'll still have time together. That's, we'll be the get together. We'll, we'll have to do some things in the community that are just reaching out to them. It's just what we have to do and that's absolutely fine as we've changed anyway. But us coming together and spending time together and having this uh, fellowship and growing together in relationships, I, I love it. It's just... It's just the, do you know what? That's church. <laughs> it's that is that is how church. That is the book of Acts. Church coming together, having all things in common. They came together with one accord and had all things in common. And I'm seeing that as as much as it's challenging. I mean, there's few there's few weeks you don't leave here feeling like you got to have a heart attack, aren't they? But you know, you're like, I'm going to die. Uh, I'm, in fact, I'm dying. Actually, I'm I'm dying. I said to Vanessa this morning, she's how she says, no great. <laughs> But in a sense, great as well, because it's God's word convicting her. And I, and I love that. And that's what happens to us all. I'm sure we were all at that this morning, as we were last week, the week before, and the week before that. But somehow, having all things in common together, being able to share that, share our journey together. And I think there's nothing better when you open God's word and then you see Paul writing this deep personal letter uh, to his spiritual son Timothy because he so knows what he needs and he so knows what he's lacking in his life and he so knows his struggles and his battles and I think what a great asset. Yeah. If we all maybe look back, no, predominantly 
most of us anyway are, are first-generation believers here. You know, when John MacArthur teaches in this, when I've heard him teaching in this, he talks about Timothy having this, an amazing inheritance of believers, first generation, second generation. He, he, he talks about he, these generations of believers in his life. Most of us have came predominantly as first-generation believers. So in a sense, we've got a lot of catching up to do. You know, the, uh, the, the, we really have. Now, that's not the same for us all, but most of these are first-generation kind of believers, and we've got a lot of catching up to do, but thank goodness that, uh, I mean, I suppose there's great benefit in that as well, but coming together and learning and growing together and getting to know each other better and covering each other and protecting each other and being willing to challenge each other. You know, I, got, I, I was talking to a pastor a couple of weeks ago, a friend, we were texting back and forward, and he was telling us in his group they're in studying Ephesians. Uh, and he asked, we were talking back and forward about love, and he says, do you think it's... He was talking about the questions when he asked it. He says, do you think you can love without telling the truth? You know, you know why he asked me that question? No. I'm like, absolutely not. And I ended up... Saying, I, says, I, I wrote to him and I says, listen, I says, in our leadership team a few years ago, we removed the word love from our meetings. You weren't allowed to use the word love in our meetings because it was a given. Love has to be a given. And I'm, I'm not saying that we don't have to grow in that. But what ended up happening is, I says, that I says, love police was hijacking everything in the church. So you couldn't tell the truth because you had to, the love police was going to step in. And I think that's still an issue in the church today. Love has to be... Um, Love's a given at times, but I'm not saying we don't need to work on it, but what was happening with us is it was hijacking everything. So before we said any, we had three superlatives, four praises to each other, four telling you how wonderful you are, and then say, but can I just say? And I remember James says, look, we're not doing it anymore. It was actually James. It's, there was only three things he said the last year, and that was one of them, you know. <laughs> 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 he, says, uh, he says, we're not doing this anymore. He says, we're not doing this. He says, I'm not wasting time talking about love for the next half hour before I say something. And I says, no, that's great. So we kind of boycotted it for about two, three months. And the minute somebody mentioned love, they get ribbed. <laughs> and they're like, whoa, we don't mention love. We just tell the truth. <laughs> and, it, and it helped us as a, as a team start to be able to share things with each other, challenge each other, and knowing it was a kind of given. Okay, anyway, let's read the first five verses tonight again, 2 Timothy 3, 10 to 15. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecution, affliction, which happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. What persecution I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live a godly Christ Jesus, godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in these things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that uh, from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Jesus Christ. And I love how John Calvin speaks of how we need to not only be Teachers, but doers of the word. We spent most of our time this morning, particularly in verse 10, but uh, we touched on verse 11, uh, but predominantly verse 10. And John Calvin says in regards to these verses, we cannot tell them, meaning Christians, to be courageous while we ourselves scuttle away like crayfish. He's got some way with words. Scuttle away with like crayfish. Let us therefore endeavour to speak from the heart, end quote. He adds... If someone who teaches demonstrates that he is not pretending, but that he is truly zealous to show us the right way, we are all, we are all the rebuked if we are reluctant to follow. Uh, and if we are, as he says, truly zealous to show the right way, and we are then reluctant to be rebuked. The problem is therefore knowing the preaching. And if we preach the right truth, as Calvin says, and we preach with boldness, uh, there should be much less reluctance to be rebuked. Another way of putting it is, if we teach boldness and sound doctrine and you're reluctant to be rebuked, then it's got nothing to do with what was said. 
And I was speaking about this this morning to someone. It's got nothing to do with what was said because the arguments with the word that you're struggling to accept. And we learned this morning how important it is that uh, by doing so, it keeps each other sharp. Uh, and this doesn't mean, hear me here, this does not mean we shallowly copy someone like we see the day in the church world, uh, uh, around the world and even the church, you know, you've got wee clones of people. I always tell you this story that I used to be in AA and there used to be this guy and he used to say it all the time. He used to go, and um, you know. <laughs> every day, every man. And, um, and um, uh, you know. <laughs> every, every second line was in, uh, you know. And I went to a meeting one time and there was this other guy and he was just like, and um, you know. And then it was running the body of the hall and everybody else was talking and everybody was saying the same thing. And I thought, I remember saying to somebody, why are they all saying the same thing? And he says, he's a sponsor. He's their mentor. And they just developed this wee clone-like-esque talk. No, when we have to imitate Paul as he imitated Christ, we don't mean that we, we automatically, we, we act like Paul in certain things, no. And that will never happen anyway because Paul's imitating Christ. No, in the modern pragmatic church, there's a lot of, there are a lot of Stephen Furtick clones, don't you think? You're thinking if there's any more than one of them's too many. One's too many. But any more than one, do you know what I mean? So one's already too many. But uh, they have these wee clones and they become wee versions of the guy, you know, that ain't nothing more uglier than that. You know, there's nothing uglier than emulating that. That won't happen. That's not what Paul is teaching here, nor will it happen that way. When we preach and live sincerely, we won't get fake followers and converts who can pretend. This is the difference. Paul's preaching bold, courageous gospel message. You cannot kid on you've got that if you don't have it. In the pragmatic church, anybody can kid on anything. That's why it's predominantly saturated with people who don't believe. False converts. Because it's easier to counterfeit. It's much easier to counterfeit it. The charismatic church, it's easy to counterfeit it. I heard Sid Roth saying recently, I need to stop watching that God channel. And what is it I'm watching, by the way? Just see Ernest looking at me, you're going, I'll need to have a word with you. Stop watching it. And Sid Roth says, if you can't speak the... in tongues yet, just start speaking like a baby. That's a full-grown man. Start speaking like a baby, you'll develop it. Get, come on, get a flow going. What? Go, 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 ga, ga, ga. That's it, you're getting there. That's what he said, I kid you not, I'm no making up. Start doing baby talk. Start doing baby talk and you'll get there. Some couples do that, didn't they? Baby talk, you know of me, I love you. I you know of me. <laughs> oh, that's horrible, isn't it? Sorry, sorry. <laughs> See, Sunday nights are just different. Oh, you know you. <laughs> Nick, you're laughing too loud. <laughs> Ellie, she's like, don't you see a word? Cupcake. <laughs> That's what Sid Roth says. Just start getting a flow. I can remember being in that environment. You're like, I need to get a flow. Callum was desperate. Anyway, Callum was desperate not to speak in tongues. We were desperate to help him to learn it. He never developed. Callum will tell you, when we were chasing rainbows, and all sorts of stuff. Callum was never, never been able to pray in tongues. And we'd go to these conferences like, get yourself up there. Get your, and see the thing is, I'd be up anyway because I'd be looking for any kind of prayer. I needed it. No, but I always wanted the big gun. Do you know what I mean? I wanted the big gun. I, I used to hover. I don't know if anybody's done this. Like there. I'm not going to the big, I'm not going to him. I'm going to him. I'd kind of hover about. <laughs> I'd kind of, I'd kind of, what? If it's no scandal, it's nobody. <laughs> well, I'm not getting the guest speaker that's nobody's ever heard they laying hands on me. 
Callum could never do it. And how we used to, you'd be like, come on. And he'd come back. I'm like, well, well, well. <laughs> no, it's your fault. You're not trying or not. This is, I mean, this is where this madness goes. Sid Roth. I says to him, try the baby talk. No, I never. I never. <laughs> I never. Counterfeit Christianity is. It's much easier to achieve and attain and find its way in. It's hard to pull off. It's, it's impossible to pull off counterfeit Christianity when you preach the gospel boldly. It can't be emulated. It can't be faked. It's like Janice and Jambres last week. We talked about that. These guys, they could counterfeit it for a wee while. I've changed their names a wee bit there. No, I was getting your Greek names last week. I'm just back to Janice and Jambres. Much easier. Because I was getting it wrong. I listened to it back. I'm like, oh, I don't know. I've got sombrero and all that going on here. And it... <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan Jambres was able to counterfeit until God started doing more and more and more and more and then he couldn't do it. And it's God's power and he started and he says, we've been found out. We've been found out. We cannot fake it. And it's hard. Sound doctrine, we sound purpose of action is what Paul lived like. And because he had sound words, sound actions, sound doctrine, boldness, tenacity, it couldn't be faked. And in the modern church today, as many as know, it's much easier to fake it. It's much easier to fake it. You can... Because you can counterfeit what's no God easily. But you can't counterfeit which only God can do. Paul then reminds Timothy of the battlegrounds God had delivered him from. And I believe Paul, who was a real, as we know, Paul was such a warrior. I mean, you ever read, we went through the book of Acts when we first crossed over a church. I personally think, and some of you maybe would agree that it was probably a wee bit early. I'd, I, I maybe go back through it again, but it would take about, I reckon it would take us now about maybe five years to get through the book of Acts. Like, I've just done it time. Uh, <laughs> I would love to have went through it again. I'd like to go through it again now. We went through it. It was quite quick. I think it took us about 18 months. Uh, maybe a bit less than that, wasn't it? It was about a year. Uh, but it's a roller coaster. The book of Acts is a roller coaster. The second half of the book of Acts is a roller coaster. First half of the book of Acts is really about, is about Peter. But the, Peter's the protagonist in the first half of the book of Acts. The first 10 chapters is about Peter. The next part is all about Paul. And uh, Paul was a, a warrior. You read the book of Acts and you're, you're almost like, oh, don't do it. Yeah, that, you know, you watch one of the oh, don't, don't. You're almost like, oh, no, don't. And he would just go from one town to the next and you'd be like, don't get back there. And there he would go straight back again. I mean, the first place Paul went, the meter where he went, was right into the synagogue, right into the middle of the synagogue and start preaching. You're almost like, don't go there. <laughs> this is the courage that he had. He was just a total warrior. And, and he's reminding Timothy here that um, who could maybe make an excuse for no being that type <laughs> instead he's like you know what that's Paul he was that kind of guy I'm just no like that it's very common to start talking like that in the church because everybody's now a poodle and a carrot no, no, somebody's a lion and somebody's a badger somebody's a poodle Somebody's a golden retriever. So because you're a golden retriever, you don't need to have that kind of courage because you're not that type of person. You just sit in folks' laps and lick them. <laughs> and Timothy could easily make that excuse because Timothy was not, didn't have that same level of maybe tenacity. But it doesn't matter because he's got the same God. And this is what, this is what Paul's saying. You know what, Timothy? I'm going to leave you with no... As much as I love you, I'm leaving me with no excuse for you to be bold and courageous. Calvin has this to say in such matters. If we plead our weakness, it is nothing. Was there any more iron or steel in them than there is in us? Question mark. So since we know they because they persisted because 
God's Spirit guided us and upheld them. Let us do the same and let us not indulge. Listen to this. This is, what, this is how Calvin puts it. Let us not indulge in silly excuses for pleading that we are only human. You ever said that? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm no Jesus, right? I'm only human. I get it wrong. It's a great excuse for not being bold and courageous, isn't it? It's, these places Paul is reminding Timothy of is, so it's not just statements, but brings them back to actual events we talked about this morning. This is where I went. Much of these pilgrimages, Timothy was with him. And then he's on verse 11, he says this, What happened to me in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra? What persecutions I endured. Now he's not saying that bragging. What persecutions I endured. And out of them all the Lord delivered me. So what happened in Antioch? Let's just share a couple of these things. All oh, this is in Acts 13 and 14. And all the letters that Paul wrote, apart from the, the prison epistles, uh, these epistles, all these letters were wrote in the book of Acts during these times. Uh, Acts 13, let us go there. The, sub, the subheading in John MacArthur's study Bible in this part alone is blessing and conflict. Sure is, blessing and conflict, which is pretty much uh, what happens when we preach the word continually. It's, it's blessing and conflict. Antioch is where the first gentle church was birthed uh, but it was never without pers persecution. It, Antioch is in modern day Turkey. It would have been ancient Syria, modern Turkey it would be now. Uh, and Paul and Barnabas preached there and many came to believe. However, the more they get saved, the more angry and jealous the Jewish people got. So Acts 13, 40, 40, 46. On that next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together. So Paul and Barnabas has went or started to preach the gospel. People are getting saved left, right and centre. And there's a real momentum gathering in this city. And it says, In the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and contradicting and blasphemy and they posed the things spoken by Paul. Now, just pause there. This is, you might be going, where, where, that? where can we place that in our own life? You know, and this is what happens when people get saved. Many of you have faced this. You get saved, you come to know Christ, and then opposition starts coming into your life. They're jealous. Thought I was your favourite. No Jesus. I mean, imagine somebody saying that, but it's almost like that, isn't it? What do you need Jesus for? What about me? And this is the opposition that we can face at that level. Paul's facing it on a massive scale. People are leaving their Jewish faith, proselyte Jews. Proselyte Jews would be, would be people who converted to Jew, Judaism. And all these people are coming towards Christ and coming to Christ and all hell is breaking loose. And they were filled with envy and contradicting and blaspheming. They accused the things spoken by Paul. Then Paul and Barnabas, would you this, grew bold and said, it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. So he's right in the synagogue, in the Jewish synagogue preaching. And in this whole chapter 13, you can read everything that he says about it. But since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. Imagine saying that to Jewish people in a synagogue. Behold, we turn to the Gentiles. And it says, verse 48 and 51. Now when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. This is shocking. Paul's preaching. Paul's preaching the gospel in the synagogue and Gentiles are getting saved. Now the Gentiles, let me just, don't want to kind of get caught on this year. The Gentiles wouldn't have been allowed right in the synagogue. They wouldn't have been allowed near the center of the synagogue, so they would have been in the fringes. He's preaching in the synagogue to the Jews and them outside the synagogue, them who are Gentiles unclean, they're getting saved. This is a shock. And they were glad and glorified the word and many had been appointed to eternal life, believed and the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. Listen to this. But the Jews, the Jews stirred up the devout, devout and prominent women and the chief men of the city. And this is what happens is, so in order to silence the word, they, 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 they raised up uh, wealthy kind of educated people. No, they're the people that could diss it better. 
So it's like, that's just the level they're going to try and silence the gospel. Chief men in the city raised up persecution against Paul. I could talk about that and get into that, but no, the night. Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from the region. Put, flung them out of the region. Would you hear this? But they shook off, they shook the dust from their feet against them and came to Iconium. The more they preached, the more people followed. The more people followed, the more it enraged people. It says Paul and Barnabas grew bold. Amazing, they grew bold. Their goal outweighed their persecution. You don't see that in the church today, don't you know? That's that spell. No much of enemy. No, the more the persecution, the more it quietens you. The more you get challenged, you start to second guess yourself. They had the opposite effect. This is how they lived. The more they were challenged, the louder they got. They never counted the cost of the persecution, just counting souls. What did they do? They wiped the dust off their feet. And do you know what that means? They were unaffected by it. Often what happens in believers is we are weaker. What happens is that, and it can be any, as if we're no strong and we're not running about strong believers and strong men and women of God, what ends up happening is we get persecuted and we lose our confidence. We come against enemies, we second guess ourselves, we... We lose our confidence. That happened to me earlier this week. I was talking to you about that, that because I wasn't in agreement with some things and different things and I probably was, I felt a bit isolated, if you like. You realise that you, before you know it, you're second guessing yourself and your courage and your confidence. And you've got to just wipe the dust off your feet and get back on and keep going forward. But we all know what that's like. And if we don't, growing, we're not running about sound teaching and bold teachers. When people come against you, you end up, oh, it can just start to make you nervous. It can, it can make you compromise. And if that, if that keeps happening, you become the church that just accepts everything. Or as J.C. Ryle says, an anythingism goes on. And it says, they just said, it says, they just left and went to Iconium. They got over it quick. Faithful men go over things quick. And as you see this, and I was talking to uh, Moiden Kenny, who was here this morning, and they were just saying, no, like, how, how do you see people growing in different things? I says, the first thing, if somebody says, what's the, what's the first thing I would see and notice that I would say, I can see growth there. And you, won't, you sometimes don't see it yourself. And I would say it's this. You just go over it a bit quicker. Yeah. I would say that to almost, I, I could say that to everybody in this room. Them that I know their lies. They just seem to can go over it quicker. I mean, you might think, oh, wow, that's dead Christ-like. They're getting over it quicker. It maybe don't seem like a big win. But it is a big win. You're like, how, how are you going on? The... My bad day doesn't last. My bad day doesn't last as long. My, my my resentment. I still have them, but I don't dwell on them near as long. I'm able to shake it off a bit quicker. See, in the pragmatic church, they would probably play Taylor Swift at that. But you know what I mean? It's I can just hear it there, innit? They left and went to Anconium. They got over it quick. Paul never allowed it to make him take a backward step. This is what faithful men are like. And it's so, this is why Paul is having to teach this to Timothy because he's in the place now going, will I take a backward step here just for a wee while? Never a backward step. And then it says in chapter, he's only for chapter 14, this is in Iconium. But now it happened in Iconium that they went together into the synagogue and you're almost like, don't go there. You've just been flung out of there. the synagogue of the Jews, and so they spoke a great multitude, both of the Jews and the Greeks believed, but the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds. Oh, how sore can that be? How sore can that be when you're preaching the truth and you've got some lunatic starting to poison somebody's mind against what you're saying? This is harming, this is going to harm. It's getting worse and worse. You're thinking, 
Every time I say something, somebody steals it. We've all experienced it when we're preaching the gospel, haven't you? Sometimes say, if people come and say to me, what do you do? I've been speaking to so-and-so. I've been speaking to a family member, then I leave, and then somebody else gets a hold of them. I says, it's a struggle. I says, because you've only got to speak to them for half an hour. They've got the next 23 and a half hours to change their mind. <laughs> They've got another 23 and a half hours to manipulate them again. And, and, and I, I found that frustrating, so frustrating in the early days of the ministry. Less so now because the election... Oh, thank God for election. Thank God for an understanding election. It just, there is such comfort in election. Like, you know what, if they're going to get saved, they're going to get saved. And that doesn't mean to say that we shouldn't be bold, but it, it does mean that it, you don't need to be frustrated and devastated when you share the word and somebody else comes and poisons that word in their mind. The day it's happening, not just in families, schools. Everywhere in the world, they're getting made, their minds poisoned. The way the world's gone and Marxism and where it's heading. Intelligent people are just classed as crazy now. That's what happened years ago. That's what Adolf Hitler did. MD was intelligent. Burn books that make people intelligent. <laughs> and Tim, Paul, Paul's experiencing this. He's going and preaching the gospel. He's pouring his heart out. And as he's preaching the gospel, people are poisoning the minds of the people. You read the book of Acts, you'll see it. Even when he was going to towns, which we'll not get into, but even when he was going to towns and cities, and even before he got there, they'd already made up a story before he even arrived. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned the minds against the brethren. Therefore, listen to this, I love this. Rather than going away, what did they? Well, we better stay a bit longer. Don't you love that? Well, we were going to move on and go only spend a couple of hours here, but seeing as their minds poisons, we'll need to spend a wee bit more time unpoisoning it. Maybe that's a good thing. I always tell people, don't overstay your ability to be welcoming, but sometimes, man, you just kind of go, I know you're only spending maybe here for half an hour, but I'm staying. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's sometimes okay, right? So just in context here, okay, sometimes I just say to people, get out. But sometimes you're just like, you know what? I'm just going to stay for a wee while longer here and have a wee chat. Ah, but so-and-so's coming for tea. Good. Good. Hope so. <laughs> Hope so. Make my dinner. I'm staying. They stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace. Now, I, would, so I, I get it that it's sometimes right, you know what, I've overstayed my welcome here. I'm in the wrong environment. I'm... I get that. There's two ways of looking at this. Eh? This, this is no just a one-size-fits-all here. But I do think at times, we sometimes, because are, when we're uncomfortable, we're just going, I'm getting myself out of here. It's just easier to leave, isn't it? It's easier to leave sometimes, but it doesn't mean it's all right. Especially when what's getting peddled into their life is the wrong thing. Now, <laughs> in order for that to happen, you need to not be worried about persecution. Because this is modern Christianity. I'm just keeping the peace. Well, this isn't about Paul's then. Paul's stirring the hornet's nest almost. Why? Because he wants them who are elect to be able to hear the word. So he stayed there a long time. Speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Straight into the next city. In the next synagogue, what courage, what boldness! They poisoned people's minds so they would not listen to Paul. And due to that, they stayed longer. Then Paul leaves Iconium. You're just like, take a wee break off, eh? just chill out a bit, eh? take a wee break off, straight into Lystra. And there he healed a man, and they all started praising their fake god Zeus. In fact, what they done was is that Paul healed a crippled man. Yeah. And at that time, that you could do that because <laughs> they were still the transference of the gospel. Okay, so but the, the, the apostles could heal at will. Uh, well, not well. They had the power to do that for the sake of glorifying Christ at the time and, and knowing who they were, that the Holy Spirit had transferred to them anyway. We're not getting into that, don't ask me. And he healed a man and they all started praising. This is what they've done. Paul healed the man and they started calling Barnabas. They're saying, you're Zeus. And they started calling Paul Hermes. 
who was the main speaker. So he healed a man and all these Greeks and all these people started praising a fake God. <laughs> Where'd you hear what Paul does? You think Paul would just go like that? This is what they would do in the modern. Before I read this, this is what they would. This is this is how the pragmatic diplo, diplomacy in the church would be the day. So, so somebody would somebody would not come to know Christ or come to start to know God, or amazing things would happen, and they would start talking about how their life was amazing. You, you, this is what you won't hear the day. So somebody go, you know what? Things are good in my life today. Things are amazing. I was doing some reiki and I felt special. You know, or I was doing this and I felt really good and, you know, I got this and, oh, I felt great. And modern Christians just go, oh, that's good, that's good. But they almost, almost endorsing it. Well, that's good, you know, no problem here. Ah, that, oh, that's good. I'm, I'm pleased for you that you're in a good place. Am I right? I'm pleased for you that you're in a good place. Today. Nowhere near Jesus, by the way. I'm pleased for you. Do you know what I got? And then they start telling you this stuff about what's good about their life and... Some people are telling you it's bad about their life, but they're telling you it's good about their life. Do you know what happened? This is amazing. And the Christians are like, that's great. Good for you. I'm pleased for you. And then I'll even say this to them. They don't even know God. God's good, isn't he? But the God you don't know, the God you don't know is good. Where do you hear what Paul says when these people were, when these people started saying, you're Zeus and you're Hermes. Where do you hear what they say? Acts 14 don't you just want to get through Acts now? Acts 14, 14, 15. But then the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard this. <laughs> they tore their clothes off. Now, honestly, we're not talking about streaking here, okay? This is, a, this is, this is, what, this is what they would date because they're angry. They're, in, they're so angry. This is what happened with Joshua and Caleb and Moses when the people says, oh, let's get back to Pharaoh. It's almost this... <sighs> shown how angry and how frustrated they are and, and actually worse than that don't dare say that we're Zeus and don't say that we're Hermes but when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard this they tore their clothes off and rang and ran among the multitude listen this, this is in synagogues and run about the vicinity synagogues they ran among the multitude crying out and saying men why are you doing these things why, why also are men with the same nature as you and preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all things that are in them? Imagine saying to somebody, they're going like that, by the way, I've had a really good day and I get my bonus this week. I'm so happy. Imagine you turn around and go like that. Never mind that, do you know Jesus? <laughs> Imagine saying that. Never mind that, we're not interested in that. That's all tinsel and baubles. What about Christ? That's kind of what they're saying, isn't it? You want to give praise to anything for your life? And then he goes on and says, verse 19 Then the Jews from Antioch, wait, you hear this? This is this is this is what Paul's going through. This is what Paul's instructed. Telling Timothy, this is what I went through. You know, you were mostly there. He, he comes from Lystra. This is where Timothy was born. Then the Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there. Oh, ain't there nothing worse than getting ganged up on? Oh, here we go. The, 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 the Jews from Antioch who hated Paul, innit? Conspiracy, innit? They're all ganging up against you. I hate him, I hate him, I know. Beef hate him. Do you know each other? No. Don't need to know each other. We both hate him. I was listening to the election, loads of the election interviews and people like, why are you voting for so-and-so? Because I hate him. I'm like, there's nothing more dangerous, isn't there? No? There's nothing more, you don't know what you're going to get. No, if you vote that, you vote that, that's up to you. But voting for somebody just, that you've not got a clue just because you hate him, you can get anything. The devil must be like that, isn't he? You're a beauty. If you're voting against anything, you'll get anything. How do you know what you're getting? I don't care what I'm getting as long as I know him. It's dangerous, isn't it? And the Jews in Antioch, they've all ganged up. And the Jews in Iconium have all ganged up and they've all congregated in Lystra. 
having persuaded the multi not just it's not just one or two. It's no one or two it's fell out with you. No. Some Christians are having a meltdown because somebody never looked at them the right way. They've got a multitude here. They stoned Paul. What? Stoned him and left him and dragged him out of the city, supposed him to be dead. Would you hear this? Verse 20. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city. And the next day departed with Barnabas and went to Derby. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they turned to La What are you doing? Doing? They left there, went somewhere else, preached. Then they decided to turn to the three places, Lystra, Iconium and Antioch, strengthened. What did he get back today? And this astounded. See them who believed when he first preached. He gets back to encourage them. Is that no absolutely astounding? We just, how amazing. What are you going back there for? They were need to kill you. I know, but they were believers there. I need to build them up in their faith. Strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them and to continue in the faith and saying, this is what he says, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. This is the man Timothy's been instructed by people to whom he joined in many missions. Himself being from Leicester, as I said. This is no mainly a preacher or a pastor or a, or a theologian, Paul, who taught this stuff. He lived it. Okay, back to 2 Timothy 3 verse 12. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ will suffer persecution. This is a fact. We may not all face the same intensity in persecution, but we will all receive it. One of the most amazing things, and by that I mean amazingly bad, is the amount of effort believers go to not be persecuted. What amount of effort people, believers go to not be persecuted? Now, I'm not saying we should go to effort to be deliberately persecuted. But see the amount of effort that so-called believers make to no get persecuted. To blend in, to no upset people, to make the gospel more palatable. To the point that they have convinced themselves that disagreement and challenging, and challenging people, or challenging them in anything for that matter, is no longer the gospel. You've heard me say this a lot. They actually believe persecution is self-inflicted arrogance. That's what they believe the day in the church. That church is self-inflicted arrogance. See that? I hope United's going through stuff again. Self-inflicted arrogance. How far is that for Paul's life? Self-inflicted arrogance. What, going back to Antioch, Iconium and Lystra, Equip the saints who he'd saved. John MacArthur saved self-serving, self-centered Christians who serve the Lord half-heartedly, seldom have to pay the price for their faith. End quote. At no point did Paul say this is going to cost me. Let's have a different approach. Let's have a different message. And if you ever go through the second part of Acts, the first, as I say, is concerning Peter. It is like a total roller coaster. See that that just that chapter 13. There's a lot of there he's a bit another or Paul don't go. It's like that throughout, honestly. It's like white knuckled right. Verse 13. But evil men and imposters, listen to this. We've spoken about this briefly, will grow worse and worse. And this is the line here that's pretty astounding. Deceiving and being deceived. We touched on this as I said this morning. Grow worse and worse. You ever think this? Just when anger can't get worse, it gets worse. Do you ever think that? Anyways, I was saying to the guys the other day, I don't mean to be negative. I says, I don't think I'm going to ever see another win. You might have a bit of blessing time and time again, but you're almost like, I can't see that going well. <laughs> it's almost like that. I cannot see that. I know it's going to end well because they won't want an end. 
But in this life, no so sure. I'm almost like it gets worse and worse. I'm like, are you kidding? The more time I spend with my brothers in Christ and what they face and what they... I'm almost like, are you kidding? You could not add... You could not make that up. Are you joking? What's coming next? And here's the amazing thing. See, the longer I'm on this journey as we mature, I'm less and less shocked. I'm like, that's exactly what's going to harm. And you become so much more prepared for it. Who would have thought based on facts that you couldn't visit your granny? Didn't who? No, seriously. Who would have thought in 2020, coming at the end of 2020, that you were not allowed to visit your granny except in your garden and wave into you? Who would have thought in 2020 you would actually get paid no work? <laughs> A beauty. You're a dancer. Protect the NHS. We need to protect it. I wish you used all the money in the 80% wages to build it better. Oh, don't say that. Who could have ever thought that it would ever get to that stage? Who would have thought to teach your kids, to desire to teach your own kids sex education would become frowned upon and probably outlawed soon? The teacher will teach the kid that. That's what's coming. It's not even coming. It's here, people. It's here. And if you tell the school that you're going to teach your own kids about sex education, because in the curriculum in Scotland, this is what it says. We will teach your wee boy, wee girl, if they fancy somebody. Seriously. It doesn't say fancy, all right, but it's, it's that language. If you've got an attraction to somebody, we don't care who it is. We're going to teach you you're an individual. You tell, start telling your teacher. Start telling your teacher. You start telling the, the school you're like, I'll be doing my own teaching and sex education to my kids. And what's going to happen is, no, you won't. And parents need to get smart with their kids and what they teach them, seriously. Need to get smart with your kids and what you teach them so that they can tell them they're not getting it. Seriously, build up your kids to be strong so that they can get and tell the teacher, you'll not be teaching me that. Who told you that? Your mum and dad? No, me. All right then, son. That's what happened. Did your mum and dad tell you to say that? No, I told me to say it. Because I believe in God. <laughs> Good for you. I'm going to get the jail, innit? <laughs> Who would ever have thought that you would have a transgender minister? Transgender ministers, yeah. I wish I could have took a photo of Ashley's face there and posted it. It's true. A, tra a transgender minister, in fact, the first one of the Congress was voted in, in uh, during the election this year in, in America and it's the first transgender person to be voted into Congress. It's a, a man who's a woman. I don't, know, I don't know if it's a man becoming a woman. No. Ah, it's a man becoming a woman. It's a man becoming a woman. Really a woman becoming a man when it comes to that stuff, isn't it? But it's a man becoming a woman. Both, but anyway, that's what's happening. Who would have thought that churches would be so accepting of lockdown measures? Who would have ever thought that? Who would have thought that neighbours would report other neighbours for having somebody around for dinner? Who would have thought that? As humans get worse... So is them that are deceived get worse. Can you believe what people are wanting to comply with today? The deceivers are going from bad to worse and the deceived are coming more accepting. I can't believe what people will accept today. Alarmed. What they'll just accept as norm. I'm like, you, you're, not, you're, not, you're not even contesting that. You don't think there's anything wrong with that? No, 2,000 years ago, Paul wrote, in the last days, it'll get worse and worse. People will be deceivers. And the deceived will get worse. They'll buy any anything. 
But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse. Deceiving and being deceived. The word imposter means go as, to wail, to chant, to seduce. It's, it's talking about these people, when, when Paul's talking about these people, it's, it's these magicians, these seducers and what they would do is, is they would chant and make wee noises it's a bit like it's a bit like crazy charismatics you know when they're doing healings and all that they make wee noises and wee clicks and all that and before you know it people are following them like we all that stuff and they make wee noises whoa you see it all the time didn't you you see it you see that with that bill johnson that making wee stupid noises as if it makes it more holy and then before you know it somebody's copying them because it's dead easy to copy Whoa. When that woman for the Glasgow Prophetic Society was talking about her child this morning, I mentioned this morning, massaging kids in the playground, see the guy who was listening, I, I, in a sense, I, I'm embarrassed to tell you that I could identify with him. Because he was putting, I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed, I'm no joking. Because see, when I seen him, I thought, oh, red neck. Right? Because I could see me in it. Because it's when somebody, see, when I was part of all that movement, and somebody's telling you some crazy prophetic story, you feel as if you've got to act. Can I, it's, it's, a, it's made, you make it up, right? You learn that, it's dead learned, and you go, oh. <laughs> you know, yeah, and I've seen him going like that. Some of these know exactly what I'm talking about here. No? So you, the, the woman's telling her this stupid story, and the guy's sitting there, thinking, I don't think he believes a bit yet, right? But he's learned to behave, and he's went, oh. Oh, it's as if it's so godly. And I'm like, what are you doing? And I remember when people would, people used to pray for me and I was praying for them to stop praying. <laughs> Have you ever had people praying you for that long? You're like, just stop, I'm actually going to see her back. <laughs> I remember two nice people prayed for me. I'll not tell you about denomination they're in. A couple of years ago, you probably look at footage and you'll, I'll tell you, but I wouldn't tell you now about denomination they're in because I believe they were nice people, they were good people and they decided to lay hands on me in the coffee shop. Honestly, I was off work for a fortnight. <laughs> we backache. I thought, I'm, this is, you've got, I was praying. But see, when you're praying, you ever do this because you're praying, you're almost encouraging them, aren't you? You're almost going, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you, mm-hmm. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You're doing nothing, nothing. You're like, thank, thank you, I'll tell you what I would thank you for if they would stop. <laughs> Crazy, isn't it? Praying for me. It must have been on for 45 minutes. I'm not kidding. And I've got sciatica. <laughs> Never healed it at all. Oh, I can't even... could hardly move. You're just going, yeah, yeah. <sighs> False teachers make all sorts of sounds pretending they are heavenly sounds. And this is what Paul's mentioned. We really need to close here. They are imposters and they entice sinners. They entice sinners. And do you know what else they entice? They entice people who've got a very shallow relationship with Christ. They entice people who've got a very shallow relationship with Christ, who desires a deeper relationship with Christ without seeking him. You'll better rewind that and listen to that later. Let me close verse 14, 15. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them and that you, from childhood. You have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in which is Jesus Christ. Remember, it says, always learning, never coming to the knowledge of truth. When we're no around sound teaching, and this is what Paul's reminding Timothy. Timothy was born and raised and brought up with really sound teaching. His mother, Lois, and all his family, sound teaching. Have we got a power cut here? No, they, is, is that plain? Oh, very good. <laughs> Just what was one of the silence was there. We're not around sound teaching and when we are weak, we're more likely, and I've talked about it for weeks, we're more likely to accept anything that makes us feel better. Don't you think? It's amazing what you'll accept when you're not in that place. And this is why we have to teach this so that whether you're having... In fact, it goes on in chapter four. It's amazing. Preach the gospel in season and out. Whether you feel like it or don't. Whether you're in a good place or not in a good place. No matter what environment you're in. 
And it's the main reason we get ensnared when we fear truth or the pain of persecution. We can forget that we have been taught and who, whose shoulders are standing on. That's why I love, and many of us do as well, we love the history of the martyrs in Scotland and we love the reformers and the Puritans. I'd love to know what they've got to say. I'd love a quarter an hour with John, John Owen now just to say, what do you think of this, John? <laughs> It'd be 20 minutes with John Knox, wouldn't he go on my say? We forget what we've been taught and look for compromise in an easier gospel. All we learn can quickly be forgotten. As we sell ourselves or better still, easily bought. We become so easily bought by another option. Paul has and he said at the start to Timothy, he reminded him of his heritage, of them who taught him and them that he knew to be sound. I mentioned there at the start, I'm not even on track about when John MacArthur was saying about Timothy and many men like it. He says, one of the things you find about faithful men is that you find when you look back, and he, he was telling us, I can't remember, he wasn't telling me, I was listening, about faithful men, and he says they, they, they were trying to appoint somebody into a new kind of ministry. I don't know if it's today with books or something. I should have probably remembered it. But he says when they were looking for candidates who they would select to be faithful men, every single one of them, and this could give you hope or make you think, oh. he says every single one of them's father was a faithful man. Now we all can't say that, can we? That's why it's dead important that we pass it to these young men and this young man. Because we might have missed that, but they won't need to miss it that we can pass it on to them. Yeah. We don't have the, we can't talk, most days, most days, not all days, but most days can't say, you know what, I had a loss in my life and I had these people in my life who, who taught me the Holy Scriptures for a young age. But your kids can. Your son can. Your kids can. And what a difference, eh? You listen to some of the kids' prayers and honestly, Amazing. And you guys that are working with the kids here are doing an amazing job. They're doing an amazing job. Ernest and Monica driving here every single week without fail. You see Robert and Melanie. And Melanie's such a beautiful young lady. That's what I think. She's just like a wee lady. She's beautiful. I know Monica says she's not as easy as that at times, I'm sure. <laughs> or Robert. It's great. Robert's almost got a half North Lanarkshire accent. No, I love it. <laughs> But what commitment, what commitment to have their kids sitting under that so that they might beat what, no need to beat what we had to beat. They'll still need saved. I remember I used to watch Holly, I really need to close. I watched Holly every Friday night and I told you I went, I took her to the Bray Head and she was a nightmare. If you start to finish, she was a diva. What an experience I had. And she was perfect up to that point. And I remember driving home and I phoned Andrew and Joanne. I said, she's got to need saved. More or less, I says, Andrew and Joanne says, we've always known that. It's you that thought she was all right. <laughs> <laughs> what a grounding, no, eh? And it's no easy, and I know it's no easy. Paul is reminding Timmy of the great teachers who had faith in him. They had faith in him. Sometimes it needs to, we need that, you know, we do need that, you know. They've got faith in them. They had faith in him. I know they had faith in Christ, but they had faith in his ability to serve Christ. Timothy never felt that he was worthy enough, but, but Paul knew that, you know what, he was made for the same stock as Christ made us all. Isn't that a wonderful thing? We all come for the same stock. We're all one in Christ. In times of persecution, it's good to remember who else has your back, don't you think? And that's what we have today as brothers and sisters in Christ. In times of struggles and times of battle, I've got your back. I've got your back. When you read the book of Acts, it's, it's very emotional as well. It's beyond emotional. It's heart-rending.
when we went through it the first time I really found what true brotherly love was Silas and Luke and Paul's accomplices would be on different towns and villages preaching the gospel and Paul would write them and say I'm longing to see you I love you I know you're praying for me and taking care of me to the point of view Paul with a part time job as a tent maker and these men says, come on, we'll take a collection so that man can get a day off so he can preach the gospel. And they just long to see each other and be together as one in Christ. How just astounding is that? Uh, I don't know how it would be you, but it doesn't matter what week you had. I heard a lot of people saying I didn't have a great week. I'll tell you what, I've had a better Sunday. It's been the best day. It's been the best day again of the week, amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast here at Hope United Church. If you'd like to get in touch or for any more information, please visit www.hopeunited.org.uk.